Well, good morning, everybody. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor, and it's so glad to see actual people uh, in front of me in the room. That's really amazing. So I'm expecting a lot of just, even behind the mask, just smiles and laughter at jokes, even if it's funny that I haven't heard in a month. That's been pretty crazy. Uh, also, uh, all of you that are watching online, that's a, a watch party or whether you're watching at home, uh, very cool. Uh, at some point during the week via YouTube or on podcast, however it is that you're watching, I think that's super cool. Uh, what's up, Manuel? What or what? Uh, is it being weird again? Check, check. Whoa. Yeah, that's better. I, everyone sitting is awesome. I, I think Jenna up there is my favorite. Like, you, you, it's like that the two old guys in the Muppets. Like, you need to be, like, making, like, <laughs> it's just kind of fun. I don't know. There you go. That's very exciting. So, super cool. All right. So, uh, via that video, uh, here's a question for today is, what is it that makes you happy? Uh, what is it that you would consider to be the dream? Uh, what is it that you would consider to be the good life? What is it that you think, man, if I, if I had that, if I could work towards that, if I could achieve that, then I would really, really be happy. Uh, and for most of us, uh, I'm guessing, it's kind of the premise of today, is that we are highly influenced based off of where we live. Uh, I think everyone watching is uh, either a current American or at least they're living in America right now, which means that part of how we get our idea of what happiness is, is from the American dream. Uh, the American dream uh, was a term coined uh, by an author in 1931. Uh, it has roots back before that, you know, going all the way back to the idea that we have a pursuit of happiness. And here's a definition of what the American dream is. It says, the American dream is the aspirational belief in the U.S., United States, that all individuals are entitled to the opportunity for success and upward social mobility through hard work. That's America. That if you work hard, if you pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, then anybody, you know, no matter where you came from, you have the ability to have upward social mobility. And if you do, then you would have success. Uh, but what is success? How would we determine what success is in America? And I'm guessing we would all have different definitions a little bit, but I'm guessing that they would include these things, that they would probably include stuff, that there's certain people that when you see what they pull up in, uh, when you see the stuff that they have in their house, uh, one of the things that I regularly think about, uh, I'll, I'll go running sometimes and I'll run past some house. I was running yesterday and I was running past these like series of houses up in Clifton Park. I guess they do this up in Clifton Park where they have these neighborhoods that are like were gated in and there was these houses and they had like pillars and gates in front of them and these like monstrosities of a house behind there. And if any of you live in there, then I, I, that's cool, I guess. But m my thought as I looked at them, I was like, man, the people that live behind those gates and those huge houses, I mean, they, they must be happy. They must be living the good life. Uh, or maybe it's position. Like you've achieved, you know, some sort of stature, or the office, some sort of promotion. Uh, I had some friends a couple years ago, 
and they worked for the Baseball Hall of Fame. And uh, one of their jobs, they had an owner's meeting where all the owners of all the Major League Baseball teams were going to come in and they were going to meet in Cooperstown at the Baseball Hall of Fame. And they all flew into Albany International Airport and they all flew in their private jets. And my friend's job, one of their, it was they had to go and they had to pick up these different owners and drive them. And so one of the things that amazed them about these owners was that they just like never stopped working. I mean, they got off on their private plane and they had assistants that were talking to them about, you know, business ventures and, you know, people handing them cell phones and they got in their cars. And like a lot of them didn't even say hello to them on their whole drive to Cooperstown. They're working on their computers and they're working on stuff because these are important, rich People. And the idea is, I mean, certainly, if you've achieved that level of position in life where you're an owner or CEO, you know, big deal, then surely you must have success. And if you have success, then you must be happy. Uh, or maybe it's just independence. I, I, don't, I don't need anyone's help. I mean, growing up, I mean, it was, it was tough. And, like, you know, we, you know, we were on, you know, was government assistance. We always needed other help. Or we, just, we, we just, my family can never do anything on their own. But, like, now I have achieved a level where I don't need anybody's help. I don't need anybody to write me a check. I, I can take care of myself. Uh, or maybe it's just attractiveness. You, know, you have a certain look. You have a certain, you know, build. Uh, Ashley and I uh, were watching a movie the other day, uh, Cheaper by the Dozen. It's an old movie. My kids hadn't seen it yet. And there's a, a scene where there's uh, 12 kids and there's a couple high school kids. And they go to high school and some other of the high school kids are like ridiculing the two kids. But the two high school kids, I don't think they're actually high school actors, but they both look like supermodels. And uh, Ashley and I's joke was like, All right, there's no way that two people who look like that would ever get picked on in high school. Because in my world in high school, if you looked a certain way, then you were successful, and therefore you were happy. But here's another question for today. Is that true? If, if you achieve those things, is that happiness? Is this the good life? Is that really the dream? Uh, and take a step further, another question. Do you know anybody who has those things? You, you know someone, maybe they, they have the stuff, they have the house, the car, they have the position, they, they look great, you know, they're independent. Uh, or maybe it's, maybe it's not even someone you know. Maybe it's just someone you know of. You know, it's some celebrity that you see in the tabloids, you know, you see their picture on Facebook, you know, and they, and they, they're just, they are living the American dream. But then you find out that, like, they're just riddled with anxiety or depression or, like, in the midst of having all their stuff, they're not happy. Or on the other side, do you know anyone who really doesn't have any of this stuff? I mean, they, they're st they don't have that much stuff or their stuff isn't all that nice. I mean, they're, I mean, they're, they're really just kind of like a nobody. Uh, you know, they're, they're dependent on a lot of people. You know, maybe they're not all that attractive. But there's, they're just, there's something about them where they're just happy. Uh, I've got a chance uh, with my wife. Uh, we've got to travel quite a bit throughout the developing world. And one of the amazing things, I've been on dozens of trips now to the developing world. And on every single trip, without fail, one of the things that amazes everybody is they go to these villages. You know, I mean, their stuff is, I mean, they're living in high, you know, they have no position in the world. You know, they, they really can't get through the day without the help of different nonprofits and other organizations. You know, their whole lives aren't all that attractive. But all these, you know, Americans come in with oftentimes a lot of this stuff. 
and they look at the folks that are living in these villages, and the statement is always the same every single trip. I just can't believe how happy they are. I can't believe that they have so much joy. And is it possible that the stuff that we've been so reliant on to bring us happiness, to bring us to the, the, um, the dream, actually is not the way to get the dream? And maybe it's a different way. Uh, we're starting a new series today. Uh, I have no idea how long it's going to go. Uh, I think it's going to take months and months and months to get through it. Uh, we're going to go through just three chapters of the Bible, uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're going to be looking at a famous sermon that Jesus taught. And I'm very excited for this sermon in this whole sermon series. And I'm also fairly nervous for it, uh, both for you and personally. Because this series is going to rub up against a lot of our natural tendencies of what we think will make us happy. The things that we would naturally be drawn towards, the way that culture is normally driving us. This sermon, in this whole sermon series, is going to run a very countercultural way. And there will be times, maybe today, next week, over the next few weeks, where you might be offended. <laughs> Uh, where you might think, I don't like that. That doesn't seem like, that, that goes against everything that I've ever been taught. And what we want to present is that maybe some of the things, all the things that we've been taught about how to achieve the good life actually are false. Uh, and my biggest hope of what I want you to do today and really every sermon series that we do is I want you to trust in Jesus. Uh, I want you to become a disciple of Jesus. I want you to become a follower of Jesus. I want you to look at the way in which Jesus taught and the things that what Jesus said, and said, even if that doesn't go against my American values, even if that doesn't go against my Democrat values or my Republic values or what my family or what my mama or what my friends are all doing, I have decided that I think that the smartest person, that was one of our chat questions earlier, the smartest person who ever lived is Jesus. And if he says this is the best way to live, if he says this is the way to be happy, then I am going to choose to trust him. Uh, but it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be a little bit uh, of a rub, uh, and I totally uh, get that. Uh, so here's how the sermon begins. Again, this is found in um, Matthew chapter 5. It said, Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Uh, now, what most people uh, actually believe, that Jesus did this sermon probably more than once. Uh, at least he, we think he did it twice because it's recorded in the book of Matthew and Luke a little bit different ways. And maybe what happened is that this was a little bit of like Jesus' stump speech. Like, he preached these at least part of this sermon or all of this sermon at lots of different places because this is just one of Jesus's main messages. Uh, but this was a time where he kind of put it all together at this big time where he taught it on this mountain the day. Uh, and then here's how he starts the sermon. He says, blessed. Uh, and that's what Jesus' sermon is going to be about, is here's how you can be blessed. Uh, and here's some definitions of blessed. It can be kind of a, a, an interesting word to translate. Uh, but I like the word favored. Uh, maybe privileged might be a better word. Of like the people that you see that's like, man, like they really have it together. People that are happy. Uh, or you know, maybe my other favorite word is enviable. Uh, a, a picture of how you can view the idea of blessed is if you ever go to a party 
uh, or if you ever go to maybe like a, a high school you know, reunion or if you go to like a, a family gathering of some kind, I think there's a little bit of a tendency to like stack everybody up when you're there and like compare people. And as you're driving away from these family gatherings or this family, uh, you know, high school reunion, whatever it might be, maybe it's just evil like in my own family what we do but this tendency to like drive away and you're kind of talking about other people like man they really seem like they're doing well or like oh did you see them like they are not doing well they're really kind of a mess right now who are the people in that situation uh, or maybe what a lot of us do is in those situations we spend a lot of time thinking about ourselves and we spend a lot of time thinking about, like how are we coming off you know, if people are driving away, what are they going to say about us? Are they going to be like, you know, oh, they are really, you know, I can't believe since high school they really, you know, or they're like, oh, they've really gone downhill since then. Uh, who are the people that you would say, man, those people that were there, then they are the favored people. You know, they are really doing well. You know, they seem happy. Like, they have an enviable lifestyle. Like, when I look at the things that they are doing, the things that they are a part of, how they are living their life, it's just, there's a part of it that's enviable. And what many of us would say is that, well, the people that are enviable are the people that have stuff. Uh, it's the people that have position. It's the people that have independence. The people that, those are obviously the people that are blessed. Uh, here's how uh, writer, author uh, John Orberg puts it. Uh, he says that blessed, this is what we think Jesus would say, blessed are the talented. Blessed are the CEOs and the VIPs and the MBAs and the PhDs. Blessed are the slender Blessed are those who hustle. Blessed are the, are the Facebook and the Twitter followed. Because in our world, that's who we see as the people that are living the good life. But Jesus is going to introduce a different view of what the good life is, of who the blessed people are. Uh, and I'm going to go through these pretty quick. And then for the next few weeks, we're going to look at each of these, what's called the Beatitudes a lot of times. These different things that Jesus says, this is what a blessed person looks like. This is what, if you want to become blessed, this is the kind of person you need to become. And here's what Jesus says, and it's very opposite from the American dream. He starts off, he says, here's who's blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And by poor in spirit, you can kind of put in the word needy. And we're going to talk about this next week. Uh, but here's what I know about most all of you, is you are some of the most helpful people that I know. Uh, you are, if someone called you and said, hey, we have, we have a need, we need you to help with this, we need, you know, hey, someone needs some assistance with money, you know, someone needs some help watching their kids, you know, there's someone else who's really in a tight spot right now, they're really in a crisis, and they really need help. You are so good at helping other people. But when it comes to asking for help yourself, when it comes to you have a need and you're not sure how to solve it, there's a part of us that doesn't want to ask for help because we don't want other people to see us as needy because we think that the needy people are definitely not the blessed people. But Jesus says, you know, I know who's blessed. It's the people who realize they have a need, who realize they have problems that they can't solve on their own and are willing to ask for help. Uh, Jesus says, here's who's blessed. It's the people who mourn. Uh, that's, that's the people who are just not okay. okay. If I was at a big gathering, party, high school reunion, and if I had something that was making me cry, uh, I would tell you what I would do is I, I would get out of the way of other people as quick as I could. I wouldn't want anyone else to see me cry. Uh, and for me, I would probably end up in a bathroom by myself, and I would you know, be rubbing my face and trying to get the tears off, and I would look in the mirror, and I would say something like, pull it together, John. 
you can't let other people see you like this uh, because other people can't see you in a situation where everyone can obviously see you are not okay. Because our normal thought is if we see someone at a party and they're, you know, sitting down by themselves and they're just crying, like that person must not be living a blessed life. I mean, there's no way that person could be happy. But Jesus says, I'll tell you exactly uh, who is blessed. It's the people that have enough emotional bandwidth to realize that they have things in their life that are not okay, and they are okay with other people seeing it. Uh, Jesus says, here's who's blessed is the people that are meek. Uh, and I interpret that as people that are just, just not that impressive. Uh, those people that uh, have a tendency, if you're at a party and someone's telling a story, to always be like the story topper. You know, so if someone tells a story about their trip, you know, so you have to tell a story about the trip I took, you know. Here's, you know, about, about my, you know, crazy thing that happened. Here's my crazy thing that happened. And we always have this ability to like, okay, I, I hear your story, but now let me tell you mine. Just to let you know that like, I also have great stories. I also am really interesting. I also am someone that has important things going on. And I want other people to know that I am an impressive person. And I want to make sure that I, you know, put in enough, sprinkle in enough interesting details about my life that people are impressed. And Jesus says, you know, the people that just kind of hang back, the people that are just good listeners, they're like, oh, that's really cool. And, and even though if they have a great story, they just, they just don't feel the need to, like, one-up other people all the time, that those people are blessed. Uh, I, I love this one, and I, I am, I'm excited for this week coming up in a few weeks, and I'm nervous for it. Uh, the idea of hunger and thirsting for righteousness. And, and righteousness can just be defined simply as right relationships. Uh, people who have their, rela their relationships are in, like, right standing. Their relationships with their friends, their relationship with their family, their relationship with God. And really, they are putting those relationships first. And for many of us, I mean, all of us love our relationships, but it's so easy to put our work, our hobbies, uh, to put, you know, our view of whatever success is in front of our relationships. Uh, one of the, there's a million movie references, but uh, one of my favorites is back in Christmas time, uh, the movie Elf. Some of you remember Elf? And, and in the movie Elf, uh, there's a dad, and he's just this corporate, you know, big wig. He's important, and he's got all these things. And in pursuit of his career, he's obviously, like, marginalized his wife, marginalized his son, now marginalized his new son, who happens to be an elf, which is kind of cool. Uh, and there's a scene at the end of the movie where he's doing this big pitch, this big sales meeting, and his son comes in, and he has this, like, tension where like, his, his work, his, his boss obviously wants him to like do this, focus on this. This is the most important thing. And his son wants him to pay attention to him. And his track record at this point is that he always chooses work. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll play with you later, bud. You know, I'll beat your thing. You know, but, like, but relationships come second. Work comes first. This email comes first. You know, doing this thing comes first. And Jesus says the people that are blessed are the people that put relationships first even if it means they have to sacrifice the other things that are standing in the way of their relationships. Uh, Jesus says that the merciful, and the merciful are just people that just care. 
Uh, those are the people that, I mean, it's so easy to like drive past somebody uh, or maybe you see a commercial for a cause or uh, earlier uh, Will was up and he was talking about alpha pregnancy and about that there's moms right now and they, they just found out they're pregnant and they're scared to death and they, they don't have enough money and they don't have enough stuff and they're, they're so like, how are they ever going to do this? And it's so easy to look at people in the situations and be like, bummer for you. Uh, I, I hope someone else helps you. I, I hope there's some nonprofits, you know, but like I'm busy. That's not my problem. And Jesus says that the blessed people are the people that look at the problems of the world and they say, that's not just their problem. That's not like a nonprofit. That's not the government's problem to solve. That's my problem. I care. Uh, I have empathy for that. Uh, Jesus says that uh, the, the blessed are the people that are pure in heart. Uh, and those are people that are just, they're just vulnerable. People that let other people see what's going on. Uh, there's a news article out this week, uh, one of the uh, Kardashians, and I, I don't know them, obviously, so you know, I don't have to pick on them because I think we would all do this, but it was uh, one, a Khloe Kardashian. There was a, a picture of her that, that got released somehow to the internet world, and it wasn't filtered. And so she was really upset about this uh, because she wanted all of her pictures that go out to be filtered, and she said, I have the right to be able to let other people see the me that I want them to see. And the truth is that that's a lot of us, how we live our lives. Uh, we want people to see the Instagram version of ourselves. And we want them to see the, the cropped and, you know, the just right angle, you know, selfie, you know. That's, and people will think that we are blessed and happy if they really just see the highlight good reels of our lives. And Jesus says the blessed people are the people that are willing to say, you know, here's the unfiltered version of me right now. Uh, here, here's what's actually going on in my marriage. Here's what's going on with my kids. Here's what's going on. I, I, the truth is, I, I am not okay, and I'm willing to let you see. Uh, next one is, uh, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, and I, I love this one, too. I, I, this one may be the one that's maybe most against the American dream to me, uh, because so much of where I get, uh, like, the picture of what the American dream is is from music, uh, because I listen to country music, because that's what Jesus listened to. And, and in country music, uh, there's a regular theme on the idea of, you hurt me, I'm coming for you. You hurt my kids, you hurt my dog. Uh, I, I mean, after 9-11, there's a couple uh, songs, a couple really funny ones. I thought about sharing the lyrics for one, but I opted not to for probably good reason. Uh, that I, I mean, everyone's, you know, so mad. You know, there's these people that attacked our country. And so country music especially, they got on the bandwagon, and they're like, all right, we're, we're coming. We're going to get revenge. Like, you hit us, we're going to hit you four times harder. Get ready, because that's kind of the American way. It's like, we don't take it from anybody, and if you hurt us some way, we are going to get even and we are going to get revenge. And Jesus says, that's not the way to be happy. You will never be happy if you're just trying to always hurt someone else more, get revenge, get even. That the way forward is forgiveness. Uh, and then lastly, he says that the blessed people are, are the persecuted. And I think the best way to define persecution is just rejection. Uh, the people at the, at the party who just, everyone's talking bad about who, because maybe you were living these ways at the party, everyone else is going away not talking about how impressive you are, how wonderful. They're talking about, did you see John? He was, he was crying. He, he's a mess. He was talking about how he's failing as a parent right now. Like, I just, I, I, don't, I don't see him in as high of a light. And, and therefore, we're just going to kind of cast him off a little bit. 
And Jesus says that these are the ways in which you can be a blessed person. And what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks as we look at each of these in more detail, and then as we go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, is we are going to have like this big tension point that we're going to have to keep looking at in the mirror. Because this is what Jesus says the blessed life looks like. This is how Jesus says to live our life. And then on the other side, we have the American dream or whatever other version of happiness. And we have to decide, okay, one of these is true and one of these is a lie. Uh, either I'm going to spend my whole life on like, right, that, that's nice, John, that's cute, you know, but like, I, all right, I, I'm pretty sure that the big house is going to make me happy. So like that, I'll, I'll sprinkle some of that into my life when I can, but like I, I'm upgrading my lifestyle, okay, because that's going to make me happier. That, that new car, I'm going to, I, I, I have to ignore my kids for a little while. You know, my wife understands I have to get that job. You don't understand. That is what's going to make me happy. We either have to sell out and say, that's going to be, we're, we're the American dream. That's what's going to make me happy. Or we have to decide, are we going to trust that Jesus' way of how he is telling us to live is actually the best way to live, and we are going to choose to follow him? Again, that's my hope for this Sunday and for every Sunday, is that I want you to decide to say, even if this feels difficult, even if this feels like, I mean, that's not the way I'm normally used to living, and it's not. I'm going to trust that Jesus's way is actually better because that's who we believe Jesus is, is someone that we can absolutely put our trust in. Uh, so as we end, I want to give you two pictures of what that kind of trust looks like. Uh, the first is uh, from my running coach. And so I, I have a, a coach that uh, works with me on my running. That's something I do in my life. And so his name's Matthew Nark. He it was Easter service last week. He said he, I could share this. Uh, and and what he does is every single week, he gives myself and he gives our whole team a prescription of if you want to run faster, here's what you need to do. You need to run this amount of miles. You need to run at these kind of intervals. You need to drink these kind of fluids. You need to have this kind of food. And, and if you, and here's what, he sent this out because a lot of us weren't following his orders, I guess. And so we're like, okay, thanks, Matt. You know, thanks for, you know, the tips. But like, I, I got my own life, you know, I got my other stuff I got to do, and like, I'll do some of your things, but I don't have time, I don't have the bandwidth to do all of your things, and he got frustrated, and so he sent out this Facebook thing. He said, folks, if you don't follow my Rx, as my prescription, or refuse to fuel and hydrate and recommend, you are on a lonely trip to a subpar race day performance, and we hate that. 100%, that's him. Uh, you have a couple weeks to get your acts together or learn the hard way. Uh, and I have a choice. Am I going to trust that Matt actually knows what he's talking about? That he actually maybe knows more about how to like fuel my body and about running than I do? And am I going to choose to put my trust in what he is telling me to do? Or am I going to do whatever I want to do? Uh, other uh, picture. Uh, this is uh, my friend uh, Rick Orlando. Some of you guys uh, might know him. He uh, used to be the chef at a restaurant uh, downtown here, New World Bistro. Uh, he retired from that last year. Uh, he's helped us out with a lot of our Serve Albany stuff. But amazing cook, amazing chef. Uh, he was on uh, Beat Bobby Flay, and he, he did it. He beat Bobby Flay. Uh, he was on the show Chopped, and he won. He won Chopped. Uh, and he told us a story a couple years ago. A few of us were sitting around talking. And he said uh, he was at his restaurant one day, and someone ordered one of his special meals. You know, this is like one of his specialties. But they, like, added all—they're like, okay, I want your special, Rick, but 
can you add less salt and can you like take out this ingredient because I don't really like that and can you add this ingredient instead and they gave him like all kinds of modifications and then they brought him the, the, the patron the meal and they ended up sending it back I'm like this isn't good we don't like this we want to see Rick and so Rick came out and he's like I don't know what to tell you like that that's not my meal uh, I, I designed a very specific recipe. You decided to go a la carte and change it, and it turns out that your way wasn't as good as mine. Are you going to trust the, the coach? Are you going to trust the chef? And are we going to choose to say that I believe that Jesus is the one who knows best, and I'm going to put my, my faith in my plans, um, the recipe for my life, how he's telling me to live and what happiness is, I am going to choose to trust him every single way. Uh, and then lastly, and this will uh, bring us into our time of communion. So if you're at home, you can grab your communion supplies. If you're here, you can uh, grab your communion stuff here. But part of what I think has so been a big game changer for me over the last little bit is for so much of my life, I think that I saw God as someone who like was standing in the way of my happiness. And this is the idea that's like, okay, if, if I choose to live this way, then it's like, it, it's going to stink. It's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to just like, ah, I'm going to like do it the God way. But like someday I'll get to go to heaven and then I'll be blessed. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught that this is the best way to live now and into eternity. And I think that Jesus proved it because when he came to earth, he could have lived however he wanted. He could have lived whatever version of a blessed life it could have been. But this is exactly how Jesus chose to live his own life. Jesus chose to come into the earth incredibly needy. Jesus chose to mourn publicly. Jesus chose to not be impressive. Jesus chose to put relationships first, even if it cost him greatly his own life. Jesus said, hey, this isn't just someone else's problem. This is my problem, and I'm willing to pay for it. He was incredibly vulnerable. He obviously forgave us, and he was persecuted, even to the point of being put on a cross. And Jesus said, I didn't just live that way because I had to. I came because I am the master of humanity. I am the master of the blessed life. And I lived a model that I want you to follow after me, to be my disciple. Because if you do, it is the blessed life. Uh, so let's remember that today as we take communion. We remember that Jesus gave his body and blood to live this way for us. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we thank you so much for the way in which you have shown us how to live life. Uh, I picture you on earth, poor, mourning, needy, and just with a huge stinking smile on your face. Because I think as you lived that way, you were happy. And it wasn't that you needed a big house or a palace or that it wasn't that you needed all the things that oftentimes we think that we might need for us to be able to live a blessed life. But you showed us that in that simplicity, that that really is the best way to live. And I believe it's the way that we will live throughout all of eternity. Help us to walk in it. Help us to embrace it, even when it's hard, even when it so, feels so countercultural. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
uh, as we uh, end, uh, I definitely want to encourage you to come back over the next couple weeks. Like, I'm really excited for the sermon series, really nervous for the sermon series. Uh, also want to give a quick commercial plug. They talked about during the hosting earlier. Uh, but we have a class coming up uh, starting next Monday, so not this Monday, but next Monday, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And uh, Craig and maybe Ashley can speak to it as well if you want to talk to them. But uh, for me, over the last year, one of the things that's helped me live more of that like beatitude life especially of like not being okay and talking about it and like being emotional and sharing your emotions and like realizing how like i'm a mess i am and i can be okay with letting other people see that uh this class has been so helpful in that and so i believe that the sermon series and i believe that these classes might be really really helpful tools to help us lean in to this blessed life uh craig can let us know what else we need to do